This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. On May 26th of this year, U.S. biathlete Matty Faneuf wrote a blog post titled Invisible Battles about her struggle with mental health issues after the 2018 Olympics. Like many who suffer from a mental health crisis, her struggle was real, but often difficult to discuss candidly. Her blog post does a great service to the community, articulating the symptoms she experienced and how she sought help from mental health professionals. Feneff was eventually diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, after she fell ill during the 2018 Games and was unable to race. The myopic pursuit of excellence in fulfilling that Olympic dream took an unexpected turn in Pyeongchang that left her feeling like a fraud. She questioned her identity as an athlete as she contemplated leaving the sport. The letdown of being named to the Olympic team, then falling ill and not racing, precipitated a downward spiral for the now 24-year-old. We caught up with her recently in Lake Placid, New York, where she is training and living with the hopes of making the U.S. national biathlon team. I think the last time I spoke to you, you had maybe just moved to Boulder. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you were about to head off to D.C. or something yep, for, for POW. POW. Yep. Yeah. I think you moved to Colorado after the Olympics. Is that right? Yep. I moved in August of last fall. Okay. And you've obviously moved back to <laughs> Old Forge. Yep. And do you want to talk a little bit about that move? Yeah. Like why and what happened. <laughs> so basically, I um, I kind of moved for a couple of reasons. One primarily being that my boyfriend was living in Boulder at the time, and I kind of felt like I, we had been doing long distance forever. So I'm like, I'm going to try this out. The other reason um, was that I've been living in the East Coast, either in Old Forge, Lake Placid, or Fort Kent, Maine, my whole life. And the West has just been like drawn, like I've just been so interested in the West and like seeing um, how I would fit in. I just feel like I would really fit in out there and I really would enjoy being in the West. And so I was like, oh, this sounds perfect. Um, I'm going to go try it out. And I honestly didn't think that, I was like, oh, Boulder's a very outdoorsy town. Like, And Joanne, one of my teammates, had been training out there before she moved to Grand Junction. And so I was like, oh, I can make this work. And plus, it'll only be the fall before the season really like starts. And so uh, I wasn't that nervous moving out there. And then once I was out there, I kind of, was realizing more and more that I could train for skiing like relatively well, but not specifically biathlon because the closest range was up in Winter Park, so like an hour and a half away. And so I was doing a lot of dry firing. And the other thing too that I like totally for some reason didn't think about before I moved there was that I would be living with all these people who don't, who aren't professional athletes and they're all wanting to do going to concerts and going out and getting a drink and like doing normal people activities and yeah like oh let's go rock climbing or let's go downhill skiing or like whatever and it was really hard for me to say no to those things because I I, as much as I am a biathlete I also very much love having a balanced lifestyle and like doing fun things like that 
so then it got to the point where I was kind of like, okay, what do I want here? Um, anyway, so yeah, Boulder, that's when I was realizing like, okay, maybe I should allow myself to seek all these other fun things that I really enjoyed doing, like rock climbing and downhill skiing. And the timing was perfect. I was kind of like, all right, in this next Olympic cycle, this year is the one that like doesn't affect your training as much as if I took a year off, like right before the Olympics, for instance. Once I took the season off, I was watching all the biathlon races. So I was like keeping up with the World Cup results and, and I was still talking to my teammates and seeing how strong our women were this year was awesome. And it really made me miss being a part of that dynamic and traveling and that whole lifestyle, which I was curious to see if I would miss it or not. Um, and so that was kind of a good indicator for me to realize that I still had these goals that I want to accomplish. And I really wanted to fight to get back onto the national team. And I knew that I couldn't do that in Boulder. And so that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to finish this little vacation off and move back and show up at nationals just so that the team knows that I'm serious in coming back. Um, so yeah, I came back in the beginning of March and then showed up at nationals at the end of March. One of the things you brought up was you appreciate a balanced lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously that look, that has a lot of different looks to it, Mm -hmm. right? Like everybody's unique and what may be balanced for someone else. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I I run, but I have a glass of wine at night, or I, mm-hmm. you know, who knows, whatever. Yep. And for an elite athlete, balance may have a much different look, yep. or it may be totally unbalanced, but you have to kind of work through that. So mm-hmm. I am curious, like, what what is that, you know, after having time away and thinking about what balance may or may not be right now for you? How have you resolved being balanced? Yeah. Um, so in the previous years, when I was on the national team, I was living in the Olympic Training Center full time. And so I went from living in like a, so that living situation was living in a dorm room, having your food totally made for you. Like every, like you didn't have anything to, to worry about besides training. Like all you were focusing on was training and recovering. And so to me, that was very, there was no balance at all with like life. And then living in Colorado, it was like, I wasn't focusing on biathlon at all. So I was doing all these other things that I thought were super fun. And so now that I'm living in Lake Placid, I'm trying to have a really good mix of both. And so right now I'm like way happier than I have ever been training full time. And so basically my balance lifestyle currently looks like a training twice like a day in the morning and the afternoon and I'm living in a house. So I have my own space. That's not a dorm room. Um, and I cook my own food and I go for walks around the lake with my roommate I'm living with people who aren't professional athletes. So there's not, so we're not just always talking about training and stuff. Um, and then obviously like a couple of times a week, I might go out and get dinner with a friend or like grab a drink or something. Um, and the biggest thing that I've like been really excited about with this new house too, is that we have this big deck that is like covered with all these trees and plants and like just being able to sit outside in a space and like still recover well has been like huge. Um, and it, it sounds like very basic things in someone's life, but considering before when I was training full time, 
there wasn't really those options to kind of because the OTC was further away from town too, so you couldn't just like go into town and get a coffee easily. I don't know if that makes sense if I'm just rambling, but no, I mean it's really refreshing to hear you kind of flush that out. Yeah, and I like think and, that, yeah, and just being able to realize because before when I was in the training center, like with the mental health stuff, I didn't even like realize how depressed I was. I was just like, oh, this is like how this lifestyle is. Like, I'm not allowed to have fun. Like, I can only be focusing on training. And if I, if I'm not doing those things, then I'm not being serious with the sport. And now I'm like, oh, I can show up to my job, which is training, and be really serious and focused during those two hours or whatever. I can come home and like make food and chill and not focus on training and recover and then get back to the training in the afternoon. And it's like totally fine. Like it works. And that's like kind of how it should be. I feel like, <laughs> you know, people are so different, you know, people, some people thrive on yeah, like, Oh, balance. Like I said, balanced means training three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon and talking about the training in between. Yep. It can be. Yeah, exactly. It's like totally different for every person. And so I'm just, yeah. And I would say that's a skewed version of balance, but I'm being biased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So yeah, I just am glad that I figured out what seems to work for me. Yeah. Um, yep. Okay. So I'm looking here at a photo of you mm -hmm. from your blog post from May 26 called Invisible Battles. And it says before shit hit the fan. And it's this great photo of you. <laughs> Um, standing in, you know, in front of an empty, it looks like the empty shooting range with the Olympic rings in the background in Pyeongchang. Yep. Um, yep. and I'm assuming it was a training night. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. There's this great photo of you that any parent, any coach, you know, just seeing their athlete or their kid smiling like that. It's like, there's just a happy person. Yeah. Yep. It just looks like an epitome, like the best photo of the olympics is like oh yeah in front of the olympic ring super happy all that yeah like no yeah. people around like truly just sort of like absorbing the moment it's cool mm -hmm. yeah so i want you know can you talk a little bit about before shit hit the fan and then the shit hitting the fan for lack of a better term i'm gonna i'm using your terminology <laughs> here and obviously i'm making light of it because it's <laughs> you know it, it's yeah deep and involves mental health yeah. and wellness but can you talk a little bit about this before and after? Yeah. And I'll, you know, I can interject with questions and, and sort of what you experienced at the Olympics yeah. and what prompted the post and so forth. Yep. Um, so before the Olympics, basically like the, I feel like the highest high, well, there were like two highest highs, but the first highest high was like qualifying for the Olympics and like officially being in. And that was just like, an insane feeling being like totally bombarded with messages and likes and comments and all of that. And the fact that I was named as the alternate, um, at first I was kind of bummed, like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to race, but then I made sure of, to go into the Olympics being like, all right, like I'm here. I'm ex I'm like, I qualified. This is exciting. Like I'm not going to worry about if I race or not. I'm just going to enjoy the moment and enjoy everything that I get to experience. If I think back on like, everything before being told I wasn't racing, those were all like, I was having like a great time, super fun. Um, and just like the whole, just like being in that whole atmosphere was just unreal. And so I was also race like training really well. I was definitely peaking like athletic wise. 
um, we were doing basically in order to decide who was going to race the individual race in biathlon, we did kind of like a mini team time trial between me, Claire Egan, and Joanne Reed. And the coaches just wanted to see, like, I can't remember what the distance was, but it was a lot shorter than an individual. It was probably like, I don't know, a 3K time trial or something, like just enough where they could kind of tell who was shooting well and who, if I was, basically if I was racing well enough to be put into the Olympics. And so in that time trial, I believe I beat both of them and shot better than they did. And I was feeling really good. I was like, all right, like my, like my ski speed is really solid. I feel good on the range. I'm really good at shooting in the wind and reading the wind flags. And that whole week, the the range has had been super windy. And so I felt really good about it. And then we had a meeting the next day or something. And I was kind of like going into it. I knew that the, that the coaches were going to tell me that I was racing. Um, and so I went upstairs and like had the meeting with Berndt and Yone and maybe Eunice also, the men's coach. And they were like, all right, you probably already know this, but you're like performing really well in training your shooting's really high right now you we totally have confidence in you reading wind we think you can totally like do well in the individual race like and and for me that's always been like my race like I've always done pretty well in individuals and so when that news happened I was like very very excited because the whole week people had been constantly texting me like when are you racing and I was like I don't know if I am racing (laughs) like I'll let you know if I find out um so that was kind of like the finally just like yes like I'm here and I'm finally gonna race which I didn't know I was gonna be able to do and like basically my dream like finally came true and I was just like picturing how it was gonna happen and like trying not to think too much about the result but being like oh I'm just excited that I get to do it and then uh so that must have been like a couple days before the race so that I had enough time to like mentally prepare and then the morning so as you know our races were all in the evening under the lights so probably like i don't know 8 p.m or something so that morning of the race uh we woke up uh i did like a morning run i oh i woke up and i had a very very small scratchy throat and when you're an athlete you're kind of like okay i know that i am either fighting something or it's just a cold or like you know like it's gonna be either be serious or it's like minor, but I know that the first day is always like, I'm going to feel fine. It's just that it's like the, the minor symptoms are showing. So that morning I woke up with a very, very like slight sore throat that I almost like wouldn't even notice if it wasn't the, the fact that I was racing that day and was like really checking in with my body. And so I was like, okay, noticing that, um, <laughs> I'm going to drink some tea this morning and like kind of take it a little bit easy in my morning run. Um, and then I remember FaceTiming my boyfriend and when I get really nervous before events, I, I kind of like talk out being like, Oh, I just want it to be over with. Like, I don't really know if I even want to race. Like, I'm just so nervous. Um, I kind of hope it's tomorrow by now. Like I just want this day to be over kind of. And so I remember telling him that. And then within like an hour, we get a text update from our coach saying like, Hey, the race got delayed because the winds are really, the wind is really bad. And since it's the individual, they want everyone to have a fair chance. And so they're going to postpone the race till tomorrow. And then I was also like, oh, maybe I should check in with a team doctor and see if I can get on some cold medicine or something to get rid of this scratchy throat. So I checked in with my doctor. And since we had the resources, 
in our building, we could go to the actual like clinic and kind of get a, a strep test done. Um, cause he was like, well, I wouldn't normally have you get tested for strep this early, but since we have it, like might as well, whatever, it'll probably be negative. And so we go down to the clinic and we get a strep test done. And usually it takes like, I don't know, I want to say like five minutes for them to get the results. And within like a minute, the test had already tested positive. Oh gosh. Okay. And so it was like, yes, yeah, so it was like, I clearly very much had strep throat. And so I just remember like instantly starting to cry, like, and also like trying to like not cry though in front of the doctors. Cause I like hate crying in front of people. And so then the doctor was like, don't worry. Like, um, I can get you on antibiotics right now. And since your race is tomorrow night, like you'll already have had like two full days of antibiotics. You should be feeling good. Like, um, I'm not super concerned that you won't be able to race. Like, um, just get a lot of drink, a lot of fluids, all this stuff. Like she was like trying to be really positive. And I was like, okay, I'm like, okay, like maybe I can still race. That was just like kind of a low moment. I was like, okay. And so I text the team or I text our team just saying like, Hey, got tested positive for strep. Um, I'm on antibiotics. She, she thinks that I can feel better by tomorrow. Um, we should talk this and talk about this in person. And so then, um, and then I also told my teammates so that they got moved. So Joanne moved out of my room so she wouldn't get stuff. So then I was like isolated. So sitting in my room isolated, um, just kind of like very upset, like, but also trying to stay positive and drinking a lot of fluids and all of that. And then later that night, um, Yone, the women's coach, comes to my room to have a meeting with me about the race. And I like can't remember like exactly what he said, but I do remember him kind of coming in and sitting across the room and like not really being like super sympathetic, just kind of being like, all right, like obviously you're sick, so we have to pull you out of the race. And then I immediately was just like bawling <laughs> and being like, well, can't we just wait till like the very last minute? Because we like usually those races, like you can, I don't know, there's like a time frame where you have to submit the start list by like a certain time before the race. So like, can we just wait like the, till the very last second? Cause like, if I feel any, like if I feel good at all, like, can I please race? Like it's the Olympics. Like who knows if, I, if I'm ever going to come back to the Olympics. Um, like if I have the opportunity to race, I, I want to race. And he was kind of just like, he, his, his thought process was like the, almost the opposite. He was like, well, it's the Olympics. I'm not going to put a sick athlete in like no matter what, basically. Um, and, he, and so that was really like frustrating. And I remember just being like, I swear I'll be totally honest if I wake up and I feel worse or not, if I don't feel better at all, I'll be truthful and I like won't race. Um, but can we like, please just wait to like the very last moment to make this decision? Um, and he was just like, no, sorry, like get better. He's like, and he was just like, just try to get better and if you are better, we'll let you go and race the women's relay. So I was like, okay. I was like, all right, I have a chance to still race. Like, I'm just going to focus on getting better. Um, and then he left and I was just like crying for like <laughs> however long. Just like- The sad truth is that she never recovered in time and she only became more ill. The competition side of the games would pass her by. And so it was just like a very like hard thing to kind of announce uh, because I knew that everyone was like my entire hometown was like so stoked. Um, so I just felt like I was kind of disappointing everybody. 
So it was just like a very lonely, dark moment, I guess. Um, and it took me a really long time to like realize that it, it wasn't like my fault, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, <laughs> you know, the Olympics ended like beginning of March. You moved. You moved to Boulder. Maybe five months later, I'm thinking August. Yep. And so you had some time to obviously go into a dark place for you. Yep. And yep. one of the things that really struck me, it's like, okay, wow, she's really sh- struggling yep. with an issue here in terms of like identity. You, f- you mentioned that you felt like you were letting your town down. Maybe you missed out. You feel like you lost an opportunity. One of the things you wrote about was that when people were asking about you, you sometimes you were like not you I'm tr- here I'm trying I have it up here yeah I like wouldn't even say that I was a athlete yeah you were like not even them telling them really who you were yep um, <laughs> yeah you would say that I was a nanny or that I worked at a ski shop which was true but quote not the whole truth um, yep yeah so can you talk a little bit about that was that a function of you just being so bummed or you feeling like, well, uh, I'm a fraud. I went to the Olympics and I'm an Olympian, but I didn't race the Olympics. So maybe there's an asterisk by my name, which I don't think, right. I don't think that at all, but I'm just saying like, what, what were you, how were you processing that? Yeah. Which is like exactly what I was thinking. So basically it was like right after the Olympics, I went home and was just like sad. And I just remember like sleeping all the time and just not, not like wanting to leave my house because everyone would like want to talk to me about the Olympics and but I also like needed so basically I like created this thank you party for my hometown because I knew that I needed to do something like that and I and in my mind I'd rather just do it all at once than having to like see everybody at different times and have to say the same thing over and over again and so I remember before I even went to this event talking to my parents and being like I don't know how I'm physically going to be able to talk to anyone without crying (laughs) because like everyone would just want, like, obviously it was like the story was, Oh, she went to the Olympics and then she got sick. And so they want to like ask me like, how are you feeling? Like, we're so sorry. That must, I can't imagine. It must've been so sad. And it's like, yeah, it was terrible. Like, um, so it was just like a lot of just like fake smiling that entire event. And then just like being so thankful that it was over. Um, and then I, I went to Colorado and was just like, I went to Colorado for the spring uh, just for a month to like visit my boyfriend at the time. And I just remember like looking back on it now, it was like, I was clearly like still in a, like in a super dark place, like hadn't processed the Olympics at all. And that's when I was like, I think I wrote about it in my blog being like the symptoms of PTSD or like, and depression too, is like not being in, excited about anything that you're normally excited about. And just like not myself at all, which like both my boyfriend and my best friend like totally noticed like immediately when I was there. And that was really hard too because then I just felt like, I was like, man, why am I even here? Like I'm just like kind of a, not a burden, but just like I'm not fun to hang out with. Like I shouldn't be here. I should be like just alone, like dealing with my own stuff. And then um, I honestly, I don't know if I wrote about this too, but like I was contemplating quitting or not like in the spring right after the Olympics. And so that was taking a lot of time um, trying to figure out actually what I wanted, if I wanted to keep going. Because after not like making the Olympic team and then not racing, my like immediate thought was, 
wow, I just wasted five years of my life. Like, cause like the last couple of years leading up to the Olympics, I like wasn't even that happy training. And I wasn't like the only reason why I kept doing it was because the Olympics were coming up and I felt like it'd be really stupid to just quit like the year before the Olympics. And so to me, I was like, wow, I haven't been happy and I did all this for nothing and I don't have like anything to, to prove of it. Cause like, in like what you just said, like, yes, I went to the Olympics, but I didn't race. And so in my mind, I felt like a fraud. And so it was just like, a lot of thought processing going on. Um, but then I decided, you know, we have a new team coach. I'm going to try it out this summer. It was really fun training. And I kind of like pushed all those thoughts in the back of my head and like, was like trying to just ignore the Olympics completely. But there'd be a lot of times like when like recently after the Olympics, like if people were talking about other alternates, like people who went to the Olympics and didn't race and kind of talking about them like negatively it was like not helpful <laughs> because I was like, Oh, well <laughs> like that's like what I did. <laughs> so that like the way they were talking about them would just make me feel like that's like how they like perceived me also. And so anyway, back in Boulder, I'd be meeting all these brand new people who had no idea what I did. Don't, don't know my background at all. And to me, that was like very exciting because I could, just <laughs> not lie to them, but like just not tell them exactly what I do. So I wouldn't have to go into that conversation of, hey, I do biathlon. Oh, did you go to the Olympics? Uh, yeah, I went to the Olympics in 2018. Oh, sweet. That must have been so cool. Like, how'd it go? Like, what, like, what race did you do? Like, all this, like, that's everyone's question. It's like, how did you do at the Olympics? Like, was it a good experience? Like, what place did you get? All this stuff. Like, were you fighting for a medal? Like, all, like, because they have no idea. And so just having to have that conversation of like, no, 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 like, A, I never got a medal. <laughs> and B, I wasn't right, even like close right. to fighting for a medal. And also like, I didn't actually race. So I was just kind of there. So like, then that would just be me be like, I'm not gonna tell anyone. I'm just gonna say that I am a nanny. And I like work at a ski shop. And I like to downhill ski. <laughs> and that's like all I'm doing right now. Um, but it wasn't until I was working with uh the master biathletes in Colorado. There's like a, a club, um, the Colorado biathlon club. And there's a lot of master biathletes. And so I was meeting a lot of these guys and I was actually doing different clinics, like teaching them. And I remember I was at dinner. I was at dinner at one of their houses. It was like me and like four, like two couples of these, uh, older, like they're probably in their fifties or so. Um, and one of the guys was asking me about, the Olympics and stuff. And I kind of talked about it and he was like, and I told him like the whole story and he was like, so how did you deal with that? And I was like, and that was like after I'd gone to therapy and I was like, to be honest, like I really didn't deal with it for a long time. And once I finally admitted to myself that I like needed to deal with it and like, it was like a way bigger problem than I thought it was. (laughs) I've like, am finally able to talk about the whole experience experience in like a more positive way and like not just like straight up lie to like straight up lie to you and say that I like didn't go and so that was like kind of a good like once he said that like he's like how did you deal with that I was like oh yeah I like finally did deal with it (laughs) but it just like took a really long time um to finally like seek help and realize that it was okay like 
yeah because i guess like my first instinct was i'm just upset that i didn't get to race this is a first world problem like i don't understand why i'm still upset like seven months later <laughs> like yeah it's, i mean it's really it is always interesting you know when uh, i had to frame this like you know you're growing up in a culture right sport culture that's no matter what i mean okay Growing up in sport culture that may be evolving now, right? With all, you know, safe sport is yep. around. There's an awareness over, there's a greater awareness over mental health issues. Like you yeah. writing a blog like this probably wouldn't have happened a decade ago. No, definitely not. Um, what would you tell other athletes or how would you support or what would you direct other athletes to in terms of how to deal with disappointment? Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things for me is like remembering how not insignificant this whole thing is, but like how small and how relative it is to like our entire life, I guess. Like just cause you get whatever 30th place or something, it shouldn't be the end of the world because there's so many things outside of the sport that like, like a result shouldn't like make you I don't know how to describe this but like like yes it's upsetting in the time and like you will get over it eventually but just being able to remember like allowing yourself to be upset but also allowing yourself um like it, we kind of have this like not a rule but like um I can't remember which coach told us this but it was like say like, okay if you have a bad race it is totally acceptable and fine to be upset about it like go out and ski or cool down be upset about it be upset about it until you go to bed or whatever but like the next day you need to wake up and be like okay like that happened it wasn't the best race and kind of reflect and realize like what you could have done differently how that like how, what you could have done to like make the race better and just accept the fact that um, it can, it can, and will get better basically. Um, and for biathlon too, since it's not just your ski result, it's like, you could have a really good ski race in the biathlon race, but then totally bonk the shooting. And we have this, like the number one thing that makes a biathlete a really good biathlete is perseverance because you're going to have bad races. Like you're going to have really terrible races. You're going to miss a lot of targets. You're going to get like close to last, but the fact that you could also the next day even suddenly hit all your targets and have like an amazing race. It's just like, <laughs> I would say I don't have like a, a one like, like resolution to getting over like disappointment, I guess, but just like being able to understand that it's not the end of the world and that it will get better and realizing kind of what like, you did in order to, get the bad result I guess like oh like say for instance like oh I guess I like didn't really warm up as well as I could have or I didn't get a good night's sleep or something like that to be able to kind of learn from your mistakes and figure out like how to improve the next time around if that makes sense um but also like now that I say that out loud I'm like but I also was doing the same thing when I got sick at the Olympics I'm like oh man just like blaming myself like I should have worn more hand sanitizer I should have done this I should have done that but just like trying not to obsess too much about the things you could change and just accepting that things will get better and do get better. <laughs> if that makes sense, I guess. You're re-upping, mm -hmm. right? You're rededicating yourself to 
um, you know, a balanced lifestyle, but, but trying to make the U S team and trying to make mm-hmm. uh, world cups, mm-hmm. world champs and Olympics, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. but what's your perspective of what the Olympics are now? Yeah. Um, so actually when, um, I came back to the Olympics, since I was so unsure if I was quitting or not, I would just, when people, I don't even understand why, but everyone's first question is, sweet, so you're going to fight for the next Olympics? And it's like, okay, we just finished the first one. Like, why are we already thinking four years in ahead of time? And so um, I've really, I think one of my biggest issues with the last five years was that my sole focus was literally like tunnel vision to the Olympics and like nothing else mattered. And like, I was kind of just like going through the process of like day-to-day training and just like and even like racing it was like okay like this season wasn't that great but like it's all about the next season or like it's all about three years from now it's all about the olympics and even like um when i was really unhappy it was like the year before the olympics i remember talking to one of my coaches being like i i might quit like i don't really i'm not that happy i don't really know why i'm doing this anymore and they straight up were just like, okay, uh, well, the Olympics are in a year and you're most likely going to make th- the team. So if you can just like put your head down and do it, like then you should just do it. Like they, they, it was almost like they weren't listening to the fact that I was like, no, but you don't get it. Like I almost don't even care about the Olympics anymore because anymore, we've just been like only thinking about it 24-7 all the time. Um, and so my new take on like, it's almost like I think of this neck, this like mini break was kind of like a, like a chapter <laughs> break in between my biathlon chapters, I guess. Like now I'm back in Lake Placid, but I'm thinking of it as like a totally different mindset than I was five years ago. And the way I'm looking at it now is like, honestly, I go into training day to day and I'm not like, basically I'm not thinking about the Olympics at all in four years. I'm not like, my goal isn't, like, yes, I do want to go to the Olympics, but I'm not making that my my top goal. My goal right now is I want to make sure that I'm having fun and I'm really enjoying being at training and focusing on improving every single day and not just being like, oh, I'm only here because I want to make the Olympic team. And whenever people ask me to like, oh, cool. So you're back. You're like trying to get to the national team. I'm assuming you're doing this until the Olympics. And it's like, no, like, my goal is to have fun and enjoy biathlon again. And I want to race internationally this season and I will check in with myself when the season's over. And if I, for some reason I'm not enjoying it anymore, then I'm just going to be done. And if I'm like having a lot of fun and I still love it, then I'll do it again for another year. But I'm only like, I'm only allowing myself to commit for like one full season, basically. Um, which I think, for myself has been so far really healthy and it seems to, I mean, it's only been like a couple of months of training so far, but so far I've been like so stoked to get my rifle and go shooting and show up to training and like ski with people and stuff. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's interesting. Cause I, I, I wanted to ask you this question a bit ago and I just wrote it on my hand so I didn't forget because, and you just answered it, but it is this sort of, you know, it's great because we you hear as an athlete all the time, or just as a human being, right? It's yeah. like, ooh, it's you know, it's about the process. It's it's mm-hmm. about it's it's not about the end goal. 
because we've heard a billion times people get, you know, they, they summit the peak, they get the hardware and then Mm -hmm. the next day or whenever it is that it wears off, they're like, well, I'm, I'm still me yeah, and I'm still in this life. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And so it is like, there's obviously a lot of merit to, it is about the process, but actually truly. Yeah. Focusing on the process. (laughs) Yeah. Is much harder. And that self-actualization, there's like a good buzzword, right? But like, it's true. And you sound like in a great spot. Um, Do you feel like, I mean, you're young, you're 24, Mm -hmm. but you've lived a lot. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you're at a place, it sounds like where you truly are trying to embrace and are embracing that process and not getting too far ahead of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, But for you, you know, you described, you're like, I had these, I had PTSD and Mm -hmm. do we have to, as human beings go through those experience to get to a better place? I'm like, I'm just curious, like how you've kind of what your thoughts are about that. Cause you're in a good place right now. It sounds like. To yeah. Me. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a way better place than I have been in a long time. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's like, if I look back on even from like high school, cause like I had a lot of issues stem from high school. Um, and like, honestly, if I, if I could have, I wish that I had just started going to therapy when I was in high school. <laughs> um, and I think like, I don't know. I don't know if I, if I would say like you necessarily have to go through these like really horrible parts of your own life, like being in a super dark place in order to get back into finding your true happiness and like self-realization and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't know. I just wish that like when I was younger, I, a knew that it was totally okay to like ask for help. And, like, the thing is, too, is, like, I knew that I, like, it would be fine to ask for help. But for some reason, I was just, like, super stubborn. And, like, I always was kind of seen as, like, oh, Maddie has her shit together. Like, she's always happy. And, like, like, she's a good head on her her shoulders. And, like, she somehow always knows what she's doing. Like, and, like, the more you hear that from other people, it's, like, (laughs) the harder it is to kind of accept that you need help, I guess. Because to me, it was, like... It's like, I don't know. I've just have had people always comment on like, uh, like, oh, wow, you seem like you really know how to figure stuff out like on your own. And it's when you, the more you realize, like the more you kind of identify with being like, um, I don't know what the word is, but like being able to do things on your own and not needing help and just being like self-efficient, I guess, the harder it is to finally accept that you are aren't actually (laughs) like deep down (laughs) um and so i don't know i just wish that like my younger self would just accept like this is totally fine to go get help even like before things get too bad is the thing and i was just actually talking to one of my friends that i met here in lake placid we were just chatting about mental health and stuff and it's really the 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 hardest part is going to therapy when things are good and before it's like totally shit hit the fan you know and that's the part is like and that was the thing is like we had a sports psychologist we still have a sports psychologist on the national team and we had the opportunity to work with him but for me I was kind of like oh like I don't have problems like I'm good like I feel happy whatever like 
I don't really have anything to talk to you about. And I never really went and seeked any help from him until like the Olympic year. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like I should have been talking to you like four years ago. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's, it is like, I mean, I don't know what Old Forge is like, but I, I mean, I imagine, you know, upstate New York town, um, and like a real upstate New York town. Yep. Not, I mean, uh, Lake Placid's upstate New York, but it obviously has all that Olympic infrastructure. It's yep. got like a real outdoorsy yeah. vibe to it. And I grew up in a community where, you know, New England community where it's like, I can't remember anybody ever talking about, you know, therapy. No. Because there was a stigma. Yeah. And I'm sure right? the closest therapist was like at least an hour away even. <laughs> right. And it's <laughs> like, but the reality is, oh, it's completely beneficial, like you were saying, yeah. whether or not you're healthy yeah. or not, whatever that means. But it's incredibly beneficial yeah. to process things and um And just be able to ha- like just be able to like process yeah, process your thoughts with someone who is totally bi- like unbiased to any like, you know, it's not like your friend or your family member. So like right now, how do you incorporate the therapy into what you're doing? Is it, is it sports therapy, you know, sports psychology? Is it more just everyday life? What does it look like for you? So the therapist I was seeing in Boulder, like had given me my own type of like exercises I can do on my own, which are really helpful. Um, and for me too, I do, I'm like, in general, really bad at like processing my own emotions. I make myself write like a journal entry every day before I go to bed to kind of process everything on my own. Um, and I actually am currently in the process of trying to find like a therapist in or around Lake Placid. And right now I'm just kind of looking for someone just like a general therapist, like not like a sports specific therapist at all. Um, but I would be interested like um, if and whenever I get named back to the national team working with the sports psychologist and trying to figure out because with him I never really actually used his knowledge um, I just kind of was using him being like I don't know if I want to quit or not how do I how do I deal with this um, where now I can kind of see like oh it's super helpful to have someone who his like job is basically like say for instance I'm always missing the last shot or I like don't know how to mentally prepare for a race, like he'd be really good at those very specific types of work, I guess. Not necessarily like, I am sure he would also be happy to talk to me about like normal everyday life therapy type stuff. But for him, it'd be using his knowledge for very, very specific like sports related tactics, I guess. Well, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, it's an important issue. And, um, yeah, I'm glad you're doing great. Thanks. Thanks for talking. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening. 